Welcome to the Mindful SLP, the show that explores simple but powerful therapy techniques for optimal outcomes. I'm Denise Stratton, a pediatric speech-language pathologist of 30 years. I'm closer to the end of my career than the beginning, and along the way, I've worked long and hard to become a better therapist. Join me, and I'll do my best to make your journey smoother. I found the best therapy comes from employing simple techniques with a generous helping of mindfulness. Joining me in the conversation is Dan, my technical wizard and office manager. Today, I want to talk about auditory processing disorders or disorders where children seem to have trouble understanding the sequence of sounds. And we might not even call that auditory processing disorder. And that's why this episode is called That Thing That Isn't APD, because there is some confusion based around that. A couple of years ago, I went to my state convention and went to a presentation on this subject. The presentation I went to was put on by audiologists. They were the presenters, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And their position, which I find really interesting, was that auditory processing disorder doesn't need to be a separate diagnostic category. In other words, all the symptoms that someone with auditory processing disorder has could fit within the speech-language realm, if you want to call it that. It's not just an audiology thing, is what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And I was a lone SLP in a sea of audiologists, which I find really interesting because it was so pertinent to our field. And I looked around and I'm like, am, <laughs> I the only, else? am I the only speech therapist in this room? <laughs> <laughs> and they had lots of research, which I won't go into here, to back up their position. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I had been thinking already. I had just created my Prime to Rhyme cards uh-huh. just like a month before I went to this conference. And so I was already thinking, I was really thinking about kids who couldn't seem to process a sequence of sounds, not even a consonant vowel. They mm-hmm. couldn't remember right. two sequences of sounds long enough to say that boo rhymed with who or whatever. Uh-huh. That makes sense why you'd pick up on that and it would be interesting. Now, not everyone agrees, just... So we are clear there. (laughs) Does anybody (laughs) in your profession agree? (laughs) Uh, Because because to be honest, I couldn't find that research from 2020. I wanted to reference it for this podcast. So I just went to the ASHA website and I put in auditory processing disorders. And if you do that, you might come away more confused than enlightened, which Uh is what happened to me. (laughs) I thought it was really clear when I just remembered that. A presentation at the convention, and then I read all this stuff, and I was like, oh, this is so confusing. But this is what I do know. Many, many of my clients struggle with processing what they hear, with processing sounds in a sequence and so forth. So mm-hmm. I do know that. So there is something there. There's something there. Mm-hmm. Don't know what you want to call it. And I do know that the whole term of auditory processing disorder, or even central auditory processing disorder, is a huge overwhelm for parents. Right. If they hear something like, your child has a language disorder. Oh, and by the way, they also have this. It's and, like, and it's got double the words, and they're huge, and they're scary. It sounds, they are scary. It, it sounds like their brains don't work. I know. And I treated a child for dyslexia this summer, and his mom was just so... Uh, intimidated by that. She said she had him tested. I wasn't one who tested him because he was having difficulty reading. So they took him to a specialist and she said, they say he can't process. I mean, she was just like, she was petrified for his future. Yeah. I did some Equip for Reading Success, the program by Dr. Kilpatrick. He didn't have any other issues. 
No other language issues. It was just he didn't know how to process sounds, how to break syllables apart, put them back together, uh, manipulate sounds within words. And he was a real easy fix. Now, they didn't tell her he has auditory processing disorder. They said he has dyslexia. But the whole term for her is he has a processing problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. That just scared the pants off of her. Yeah. Well, it would. That's lots of big words for people who don't know what it is. And this also reminds me of our friend who called us. In fact, this was right after I went to that convention, just a couple months after. A friend of ours whose wife, she was going back to college to become a lawyer. And she was she was having a little bit of a tough go of it, being a law student and having what had been diagnosed as an auditory processing disorder. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, so what do we do? And I said, well, what are you doing now? What mm-hmm. are you looking for? And he names off all these things that they're already doing, accommodations, and also mentions that she has ADHD. Mm-hmm. And we got talking more, and he's kind of like, yeah, that stuff. I mean, those could just be symptoms of ADHD too, couldn't they? So it gets really, really confusing. And I know that on ASHA, some of the articles they talk about this, you know, how you separate these things out, and you got to be careful that you don't say ADHD is auditory processing disorder. But my point, and I think the point of the presenters at my state convention was, well, what good did the auditory processing disorder diagnosis even do for her? I mean, there were so many other things going on, and I mean, it's all, all kind of wrapped up into a, a, a whole package, and she just was struggling. She was struggling, and they were already giving her accommodations, and one of the problems was one of the professors didn't want to give her certain accommodations. I think COVID probably took care of that. <laughs> she probably got everything <laughs> she needed in the end with all that stuff going on. Um and online classes and all that. But in my mind, I'm just going, I don't think that diagnosis really gave them any clarity on what was going on. So what good is a diagnosis if it doesn't point to a solution? Is that kind yes. of, that's mm-hmm. what you were trying to say. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing a lot of your clients who are having difficulty processing sounds. So that what you're saying is that doesn't necessarily lead to an APD diagnosis. No, not necessarily. But I, what I'm seeing of it, I'm seeing so much of it. Mm-hmm. Now that my attention is drawn to it, I see it everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It certainly involves processing sounds and the order of sounds and remembering them. And most of my clients have some level of it. Just saying that, that probably removes them from the APD diagnostic category just because if a whole bunch of people have this, it's probably not auditory processing disorder as the people who believe it exists would diagnose it. So what if it's a spectrum, like autism? So we used to uh, have autism and Asperger's, and we kind of took this, what we used to call high-functioning autism, and split it off and called the Asperger's and said, but it is still within the realm of autism, but it's so different, we're giving it its own category. And then they took that away and said, no, 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 no. (laughs) It's just autism, and we have all these levels of it, and they're more alike than they're different. So what if clients who have difficulty processing sounds are just on a spectrum and some have mild difficulty, some have moderate, some have pretty hard, and some of them are super severe. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a spectrum to me. And if that's the case, then that would explain why you're seeing clients at all different levels. Give me some examples of some of these clients at the opposite ends of the spectrum. Okay. So I have two children. They're both three. They're just started with me, just about the same age. One little boy is almost what I call purely motor. I mean, his issues are almost purely motor. Mm -hmm. And how can I tell that? 
well, besides looking at how his jaw is not working and how his lips are not rounding, he's very conversational. He wants to engage in songs and nursery rhymes and things like that, even though they can't understand him. He walks into the waiting room, he sees my ABC toy, and he starts singing the ABC song, although it sounds like A-E-E, because <laughs> he can't say most of his consonants. You know, he is engaged with the sequence of sounds. Uh-huh. And then I have the other three-year-old who can jabber away. I would say there's very little to maybe no motor involvement. She's just so new. I've just barely started to work with her. But she can babble all these different sounds. And so, her mouth seems to move pretty easily. Her jaw moves pretty easily. You can't understand much of what she's saying. Um, she's imitating some words. Um, what her dad said at her evaluation was so telling. He said, she won't play ball. Her mom jumped in and said, well, what dad means by that is... She won't engage with like the ABC song. We want to sing songs with her. We want to do nursery rhymes with her. And she pushes us away. Huh. Just like, get away from me. Get out of my face. Interesting. And by the way, she's not on the autism spectrum and she uh-huh. engages in lots of other ways. And so I'm thinking, oh, this is really interesting. These sounds aren't making sense to her. Why would ABC song even make sense to her if she's not processing things like that? So it's it's just very interesting to me. And I think that her problems are mostly on the sound processing. Not going to say she has auditory processing disorder because I don't think she'd actually fit in that sort of select category, but she's definitely having difficulty processing sounds. And I would see in the future that she might be one who maybe would have problems with reading mm-hmm. if we don't intervene right now, which we're going to do. So you've basically you've got one kid who has all sorts of motor problems, but loves sounds and loves to just go after them. Loves to play with language. And you've got another client who, she's got the motor stuff down, but she just doesn't want to engage with sounds. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, yeah, I can see that's definitely the opposite ends of that. And then you've got everyone in between. Yeah. And your most severe case, someone who has apraxia and all these motor issues, 100% of my clients have also had really severe processing issues with sound. Mm-hmm. And so uh, apraxia takes a long time to overcome. You get the motor stuff overcome, and then you've got just as long or even longer on the processing. Well, what should be the approach with ADP then, or, or this auditory processing problem? <laughs> yeah, we don't want to call it ADP. I shouldn't call it that. We can even give it its own name. No, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, harking back to our last podcast, Mm-hmm. where we talked about we want to build new neural pathways and not just do accommodations. Mm-hmm. This is something to meet with not just accommodations. And I do see a lot of suggestions for kids who have um, what we call it, auditory processing disorder. I see a lot of accommodations, accommodations, accommodations. And here's a few suggestions for actually treating the problem. And I'm like all about let's build new neural pathways. Let's treat the problem. Here's an analogy you might understand. I was in the kitchen the other day, and I was trying to find myself a healthy snack, when mm-hmm. really all I wanted to do was take a big spoon and dive it into the Nutella bottle and just eat Nutella right off the spoon. <laughs> That's what I really wanted to do. I like your definition of healthy snacks. <laughs> but I'm trying to be healthy. Yeah. So I'm looking around for my healthy snack, and I thought, your body can be bathed in a healthy nutritional environment if you feed it right. Right. If you feed it right, it's going to be able to fight diseases so much better. It's going to have this underlying substrate of health. And no doctor that you went to, if you had a specific problem that needed intervention, no doctor would say, forget about your diet if he knew you were eating poorly, right? 
He wouldn't say, oh, forget about the diet and just do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would have to ask about your diet to diet know. also is but, always an added thing that they're going to always include. But for your optimal health, you always want to have the optimal environment, nutritional environment. And then people can come in with certain interventions and they're going to have a much better um, chance of working. Right. So what if we've got these clients with these listening problems who just have a really poor listening environment? They don't have the ability to process sounds, to take in sounds. So we know like even with vitamins, some vitamins are fat soluble. If you don't have the fat, you can't process the vitamin, right? You can't mm-hmm. take it in. Your body can't use it. Right. So so what if what if they can't take sound in? What if they can't even use the sound they're hearing because they have this poor environment as far as sound goes? Their brains don't know what to do with it. Okay. So what the audiologists usually do is they're looking for hearing aids. Can they physically not hear? But this is beyond that. We know they can hear. They don't have a problem failing a hearing test, but the brain's just overwhelmed and just not processing it. And therefore the connections are just not being made. Yeah, that's exactly it. Now, of course, the audiologists should always, always, always check the hearing. And they also do have other special tests they do about can you block noise out of one ear and hear something being said in the other ear, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And they use that actually to test for auditory processing disorder. When you work in a school district, there's an audiologist that you can refer children to to be checked for auditory processing disorder. Mm-hmm. And I referred some. And I think in my whole career in the schools, I had maybe one, maybe one client who failed on one of those tests that they give to select out or to diagnose auditory processing disorder. Okay. And as a speech therapist, you're going, wait a minute, I know they're having trouble processing auditory signals. I just can't call it auditory processing disorder. Right. <laughs> Another nail in the coffin, maybe, uh-huh. <laughs> for the selective diagnosis. So obviously, there's just more going on here where you have a large spectrum of clients that have some level of this problem. What do you do about it? Where do you go from here? I mean... I'm still not quite sure how the nutrition analogy is, uh, connects in here. Well, but- let me see if I can explain. It made so much sense to me. It's like, if you want to intervene for someone who has a health problem, uh-huh. you would want them to have optimum nutrition too. Right. So that they okay. could take advantage of whatever the intervention is. Okay. So if we have specific interventions for our clients with speech language disorders or whatever, if they have this poor poor listening environment, they cannot benefit as much from our targeted interventions. We've got to fix the listening environment when that is appropriate, when we recognize that in clients. And it, and it's way more broad than just the term auditory processing disorder. Okay. So many clients have it. And I have seen so much success when I'm addressing this underlying issue. So the nutrition analogy works because it makes the other things I do work so much better. Right. So fix the nutrition first or fix the listening environment in the brain or whatever you want to call that, the ability of the brain to process. Okay, so how do you go about, now I'm not quite sure what you mean by listening environment, but uh, to me that's a room. (laughs) But there's more to it obviously than that. And listening, okay, that's not the greatest term, listening environment. I'm struggling to explain this, but the body has an environment of health, right? Uh Uh-huh. What if you can build new neural pathways in the brain so they can process sounds better? Okay, so that's what you're saying is an environment. It's what's going on necessarily inside the head, not necessarily what's going on outside the head. Yeah, that's right. Most people are going to think of environment as the stuff that's outside 
ourselves, you need a word for something that's inside the head. Yes. Yeah, so, so thanks for helping me out okay. there. And I'm trying to stay away from the term auditory processing disorder because we don't, we're not even really sure what <laughs> to do with that term, right? Oh boy, um, here we go. We got to make up a new term, folks. <laughs> it must be 17 syllables and four but, words. <laughs> okay. So in my phonological awareness tracking form, I have a section called early listening. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And that is really a lot of what I'm doing. I am intervening so early. I've got three-year-olds that I'm doing some of these really early listening things with, and I am so excited. So in future podcasts, I'm going to tell you about them, but just a little teaser. Three clients who I worked with, I think, about a year, working mainly on their ability to listen and pay attention, mm-hmm. the ability to remember a sequence of sounds, things like that. And I was able to get them to telling stories just barely. They just barely reached the cusp of it. But within a year, getting to telling really basic stories. And their language was really, really poor at first. Uh-huh. So to me, that's just amazing. Yeah. Because <laughs> we can do so much with a language once they can start putting stories together. We talked about this last week a little bit. As you're helping these clients build these neural pathways, I mean, it's it's you said it's almost like you can see them making the connections. Yes, you can. And 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 that's when things are changing and that whole listening cognitive thing is, is starting to fire. Mm-hmm. And their language can just take off. The tracking form is a great place to start. And that tracking form is available on the website at slpproadvisor.com and also over on Teachers Pay Teachers. But I've realized that after I created the tracking form, I've created so many activities that I love. Mm-hmm. I, I just say, you know, the tracking form has things like follow two-step directions. And now I've got so many activities for that kind of thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a lot more simple tool videos. I'm going to do more podcasts about this. I'll have materials for purchase too, because I've created tons of materials to work with my clients. All of this to work on fixing this, this listening. We, we don't have a name for <laughs> On this listening processing or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I've saved those success stories for a future podcast, <laughs> but I'm really excited to share with you some of the things I've been doing. We look forward to discussing this further in, in our future episodes. Now, it's not going to all be one at a time, you know, right in order. It's going to be scattered around. But there's a lot of things, so you're going to want to come back to the website, uh, the show notes for this episode and, and other episodes. Uh, make sure you see all the different things that are there for you because if this interests you and you're seeing some you know progress with some of your clients, this is this is an interesting topic. Maybe we're going to have to have a contest to try and name this thing. I don't know. But uh, we'll, we'll have to do And then we would submit it fun. to Ash, and they would say, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We'll start a movement. <laughs> For this week, take a look at the phonological awareness tracking form and listen to episode 11 of the podcast for more information on that. We'd love to hear from you. So, you know, drop us a line at denise at slpproadvisor.com. Let us know what you think on this. It's an interesting topic. And we look forward to talking with you more next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Mindful SLP. We invite you to sign up for our free resource library at slpproadvisor.com free. You'll get access to some of Denise's best tracking tools, mindfulness activities, and other great resources to take your therapy to the next level. All this is for free at slpproadvisor.com slash free. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and other podcast directories. 